My name is James Gleason, and I want to welcome you to the weekend teaching ministry of Sunrise Church here in Hillsboro, Oregon. Now, Sunrise is a church devoted to being a safe place to hear a life-changing message. And our vision is to lead people in a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. And so every weekend, we share a message of hope from God's Word, the Bible. Now, if you'd like to know more about discovering and growing in a relationship with the God who loves you, please take a moment to visit our website at www.isunrise.com. Now, from there, you can learn how to connect with the God who loves you. And you can learn how to grow with others along the journey of life. You can learn to develop a heart to serve the least, the last, and the lost. And finally, you can learn how to lead others to know Jesus Christ on this journey of disciples making disciples. And so now I invite you to follow along with our weekend message as you discover the heartbeat of God. Good morning. Welcome. If you're here in the room with us, go ahead and have a seat. If you're online, top that cup of coffee off. And man, I'm jealous. I want some coffee. (laughs) My name's Taylor. I'm one of the pastors here at Sunrise. And it's just a joy and honor because I get to lead us um, through the series of John. uh, Through We're going to enter into this new series called Believe. And uh, it's an exciting time. But I really just want to start us off um, by asking a question. And so wherever you're at, because we're really going to just dig into this word believe, what does believe really mean? Like, what does it really mean when you get when you get down to and you think about the word believe? What does that mean? I say I say I believe that my wife Annie loves me. It's like, what does that mean? What does that word mean? Is that just like a hope or is that more of like a tangible thing? Some people believe the earth is flat, right? I mean, does that make them right? Some people think the Seahawks are the best team in the National Football League. All right? I know. I watched the game yesterday, or lack thereof, and uh, you could obviously see that I would say they're the best team, but we come back to this idea of I say I believe the Seahawks are the best team. It's just a preference or an opinion. Yesterday proves that. They're no longer around. Right? So at what point, where, where does this word believe fall for us when we think about believing have you ever, do you know if your belief is right? Have you ever been in that moment where you found out your belief's wrong? I still remember the time where I'm driving down the road with my dad and I'm a young kid and he goes to me, he, my parents told me my dog ran away when I was young and they bro, he broke it to me there in the car, basically he says, no, 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 your dog didn't run away, we put it down. I know, seriously. I like my, my world, however old I was at that time, is rattled because everything I believed is wrong. It's not true. So what do you do with this word believe? Because we, there's so many meanings out there for it. There's so many things that come up. I actually want to start us off with the story of a, a famous tightroper. His name is Charles Blondin. And I believe this story is such a great representative of really what it means to believe. What is, what is the gospel writer John getting at in this story today, in his writing, through the chapters of what it means to believe? And so I'm going to read this. It's just a, a quick uh, article or summary that I found online. And it says, can you imagine a tightrope stretched over a quarter mile and spanning the breadth of Niagara Falls? The thundering sound of the pounding water drowning out all the other sounds as you watch a man step onto the rope and walk across. 
The stunning feat made by Charles Blondin that made him famous in the summer of 1859. He walked 160 feet above the falls several times back and forth between Canada and the United States as huge crowds on both sides looked on with shock and awe. Once he crossed in a sack, once on stilts, another time on a bicycle, and once he even carried a stove and cooked an omelet. That's what's up. On July 15th, Blondine walked backward across the type road to Canada and returned pushing a wheelbarrow. The Blondine story is told that it was after pushing a wheelbarrow across that he was, while blindfolded, that Blondine asked for some of the audience participate, asked for some audience participation. The crowds had watched and they oohed and they awed. He had proven that he could do it. Of that, there was no doubt. But now he was asking for a volunteer to get into the wheelbarrow and take a ride across the falls with him. Yeah, sign me up, right? No. It is said that he asked his audience, do you believe I can carry a person across in the wheelbarrow? Of course, the crowd shouted, yes, they believe. They watched him do it, right? And so it was then that Blondine posed the question, who will get in the wheelbarrow? No one did. No one did. It's a, it's a really powerful illustration of a lot of us can come here and go, yeah, I believe, I believe, I believe, I believe. And it's all up here, but it never makes it to the heart. It never makes it to the heart. What John is going to get at today and in this course of this book is he's trying to take it. He's saying, hey, you might be nodding your head up here, but I want to take you to a place down here where you're willing to put your trust where you're willing to put it all on the line. Which really comes to that point of, how does this challenge us in our walk with Jesus? How does, this, how does this really relate to that? How does this get us to this point where when we think about Jesus and we think about what does it really mean to believe in Jesus, how does that challenge us to look at the story of Blondine, to look at that and go, wait, 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 where am I in my walk with Jesus? Like, many of us in here say we would believe in Jesus, Because we're here today. We're at church. Our belief goes to the point that we're willing to show up to church. We're willing to turn it on on our feed and make time for this. Like that's that's where our belief goes. And maybe there's some people, you're you're coming through your feed or you're just here and you're checking it out and you're trying to figure out what this Jesus thing's about. That's okay. That's okay. For some of us, our belief goes beyond that. We say, hey, I got to be in a small group. I need to be in a group because I understand that the way to learn more about Jesus and to understand Jesus is, is I got to grow and I got to read my Bible and I need to be around others in relationship to, to understand more about him. And so our belief goes to that point. And some of us, our belief goes even further than that. Our belief goes to the point where we say, hey, I'm going to give what we call a tithe, 10% of my income to God because my belief is, is that he'll provide. It's his anyways. Right? Like all of our beliefs go to a certain point. Some of us, our belief goes to the point where we're saying, hey, I'm willing to love my enemy and forgive them. That's how far some of our belief goes. Some of us are willing to go, hey, I'm going to walk across the street and share the gospel with my neighbor. Because I believe in Jesus so much that by believing his name, I'm going to experience life and my neighbor will experience Christ. My family member will experience Christ. How far does your belief go? That's the question we're going to look at today. That's the question we're, we're really going after is how far does our belief go when it comes to Jesus Christ, when it comes to claiming him to be the Messiah of our life? 
And so I really want to get to kind of the, the reason why we're kind of sitting in this word believe, because it's, it comes from the theological stance and belief of why John wrote his gospel, why John, a disciple of Jesus, wrote this. So I'm going to put this up on the screen for you, this first slide. And it, it's at the very end of his book almost. And it says, The disciples saw Jesus do many other miraculous signs in addition to the ones recorded in this book. But these are written so that you may continue to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing in him, you will have life by the power in his name. See, John's going John's gonna to do something throughout this gospel. He's going to sit here and he's going to show us seven signs, which are miracles at the same time. He's going he's gonna to show Jesus making some I am statements. He's going to show us little intentional moments that he included. And what he's saying is like, I could have put a lot of other stuff in here. I could have put a lot of stuff in. But this is what I put in here so that you may continue to believe. Like, this is, this is intentional. This is it. God said this is what, I mean, we know that the Holy Spirit inspired John to write this gospel, to write his message. And this is what we need right here to believe, to continue to believe. But he's writing to two different crowds here. Because when we look at John, he's writing to the church in Ephesus. And so what we have going on in Ephesus at the time is we have Greek gods and culture getting into the minds of believers, working its way in. And so John's writing with two purposes in mind when he does this. He's saying, first off, if you don't believe in Jesus, I want to help you come to a belief that Jesus is real and he's the son of God. But secondly, maybe you do believe in Jesus. And guess what? I want to take you to an even deeper place in your conviction that Jesus is the son of God. So he's writing to everyone, no matter where you're at, no matter where, this isn't just for someone who doesn't believe, this is for someone who does believe as well. Because he's saying, hey, Jesus is the best thing ever. I want to convince you. I want you to know this. And so as we look at the story, John John starts off with a poem. He starts it off, and it's very, very theologically dense and what's there and everything. We're just going to kind of take a high-level view of it. But I want to read these first verses to you. John 1. Oh, my my slide's wrong. Man, I should do something about that. In the beginning, the Word already existed, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And so you can see here that John is making two really strong claims right off the Right off the beginning, he says, in the beginning, the word already existed. And what he means by that is that he's referring that Jesus is the word. And he's saying Jesus already existed before creation. Before the world was created, Jesus already existed. Then he goes a step further and he says the word was with God. So he's saying Jesus and God were like face to face in an intimate relationship before the world was ever created saying that Jesus is an eternal being and that him and the Father had this very unique relationship. And the word was God, which is even to go a step further to say the deity of Jesus, that he is eternal, that he is God. Therefore, when we see Jesus, we say he's fully human and we say he's fully God. And so John just kind of repeats himself. and He says it existed in the beginning with God. He did. Jesus did. He's like, he's trying to drive this home for you. And it says, God created everything through him, and nothing was created except through him. He's really putting Jesus up there for us to see really where he falls in us. So let's go to the next verse. 
Look at it, I got this slide, the reverse right on that one. <laughs> the word gave life to everything that was created, and his life brought light to everyone. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness can never extinguish it. And this is such a, this is such a powerful one because many of us, it's like this is where it gets maybe a little bit more complicated or things because you can kind of skip right through this. And so basically, Jesus is the source of all life. That's what he's saying. And that Jesus gives physical life and eternal life to everything. His divine life brings light to everyone. And light in this, in this sense is going to be like an understanding or a moral insight. And so as you encounter Jesus' presence, as these people in the story of the gospel of John encounter Jesus, light is going to shine into their life. And what that light is going to do is it is going to reveal their sin. It is going to reveal how, their depravity and their need for a savior. And they're going to have a choice, basically, to believe. And so we see this contrast of darkness and light in the story of John. But really what he's saying is that darkness represents sin. Darkness represents, the consequence of sin is death. So if you don't believe, the consequence is death. But man, there's this light. There's this light that comes, that, that will shine on you when you encounter the life of Christ. And it is going to point you to your depravity. It's going to point you to that sin. And by believing in Jesus, you will have life. That's what he's saying. And so then all of a sudden he goes on. John's made these big claims right off the get-go. And then he says, now let me show you how this light expands and how it gets out. And he turns his attention to a different John, John the Baptist. And so let's read this. It says, God sent a man, John the Baptist, to tell about the light so that everyone might believe because of his testimony. John himself was not the light. He was simply a witness to tell about the light. The one who is the true light, who gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. This is such a great moment for us just to remind ourselves. He's saying, hey, John's not the light. We're going to talk about John the Baptist in two weeks in more detail. But John is a reflector of the light. John is witnessing about the light. He's telling people about the light. And when people hear that, the light is shining in. He's saying, hey, you see your sin. You see your depravity. What are you going to do? And so we see people do two responses. And and we'll see this in the next slide here. It says, he came into the very world he created, but the world didn't recognize him. They rejected him. He came into his own people, and even they rejected him. But to all who believed in him and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. They are reborn, not with a physical birth resulting from human passion or plan, but a birth that comes from God. So he's saying there's this, there's this powerful moment that happens. There's this powerful moment that happens in all of this. We, if you've been around church, you know the story. Jesus goes to the cross. He dies for our sins, the car consequences. He's resurrected, which means he, conquered, he has victory over death. We have victory over death. Then all of a sudden, he ascends to heaven. And when he ascends to heaven, he sends the Holy Spirit to live inside of us if we believe. If we believe. If we claim to really believe that Jesus is the Messiah. And so I know I'm getting in this deep because, but we need to understand these things before we step into this, into this series, before we understand where John is going to take us in all of this. He's summarizing the main things for us. And so as we get there, we need to remember that there's just two responses. There's belief or unbelief. And that's it. And John is going to write his gospel in this way. He's going to say, hey, here's, here's the sign. Here's the miracle. Here's Jesus' statements. This is who he is. And then he's going to put it on the audience, and we're going to see the crowd, how they respond. But he's also going to put it on us to say, what do you believe? What do you really believe? 
And what John is really trying to tell us in all this, he's saying Jesus is better than anything. He's better than anything. And I say that, and some of you, that's like, that's empty words. Some of you, that's like, man, that's powerful. You're like, yes, I've experienced that. Some of you, like, I, I don't get it. I don't understand it. And that's where I just want to go. Like, where is your belief in Jesus at? Really, where, where is it at? Is Jesus just something you do on Sundays? You know, is, is that what he is? You tune in, you come in online. That's your, that's your Jesus experience. Like, yeah, I believe, I believe. And this is it. This is as far as it goes. Because John wants to take you deeper. Is Jesus just an opinion or is he a preference? You know, like I, I like some of Jesus's teachings. Like, man, that one's good. Yes. Love your neighbors. Yep. I think that's the right thing to do. But then there's some tougher ones that it's like, well, I'm going to go silent on those ones. I'm going to be like, yeah, yeah, I believe. Kind of. I mean, where are you at? Where are you really at in this journey of believing in Jesus? Because John is making some bold statements here off the get-go to say that Jesus existed before the beginning of time. He is an eternal being. Where are you at in this journey? Where are you at in this? You know, I think uh, if we're honest, we all have days where we struggle with belief. We just do. I'll sit up here as your pastor, as, a, as someone who's committed to reading their Bible and everything else and, and really diving into this. And I think there's just moments where we struggle with our belief. Like we do, you know, we see moments in the story in the Gospels where it's like and the dad comes up. He's like, help me with my unbelief. Like he wants to believe, but he's got this unbelief. And, and I, if we're all honest at moments, we kind of all feel that way. At different moments in the journey of following Jesus, we're all sitting here going, man, like I want to believe today, God, but I just, you seem so far. Yesterday I was, we're, my wife and I are in this process of moving. And I don't know why I'm sharing the story. Maybe it'll go somewhere. Um, and, uh, we're, we're moving, we're, we're selling our current house and we're, we're buying a new house and it's all happening in the next basically 14 days and, and uh, we're getting into final touches. It's been a long, exhausting process of trying to sell your house, which many of you might know that feeling. And we went to bed Friday night and the dishwasher stopped working. I know, it's, it's a dishwasher, all right? Like, big whoop. So, you know, I'm doing my thing and I'm, I'm looking online. I'm like, okay, what's the problem? You know, I'm doing my search. I'm becoming an appliance technician on the spot and, and everything. So I turn off the breaker. I do all this stuff and um, checking it out and trying to close the door. It's just not working. And so finally, my wife's like, you know what? Why don't you just pull it out and, and, and do something? So I pull it out. And the moment I pull the washing machine out, it starts like leaking on the floor. Like now I'm like, it wasn't leaking. Now it's leaking. I'm like, this, it went from bad to worse real quick. And I'm already feeling like in, in this whole journey of moving, I'm, I'm already kind of feeling like, God, where are you? And this is just moving on a Saturday. Like there's, there's, there's much more going on in the world. And I'm sitting here worried about a washing machine on a Saturday, washing machine, a dishwasher on a Saturday morning. Like that's, that's where I'm at. And I'm just sitting there and I'm frustrated. And my wife and I were kind of like communicating through our frustration and I'm just, I'm like, I don't even know what to do. Let me tighten this thing up so maybe it'll stop leaking. And I'm sitting there on the floor and I'm just like looking at this thing. And I'm going, I've prayed already a bunch. Like, 
I'm praying, but I know that my belief is very shallow in that moment because it's a stinking washing or dishwasher, right? And I'm sitting there on the floor and I'm just frustrated and I'm like, I don't even know what to do, God. Like, I just don't know what to do in this process. It's like it t- all it took was a, a dishwasher to bring me to like this point where I feel defeated. I'm like, where's my belief really at, right? Just go buy a new dishwasher, move on. And all of a sudden I'm sitting there, I'm laying on the floor and the dishwasher just turns on. And I'm like, whoa. So I hit, hit the water supply button real quick and it starts going and it's washing the dishes. And I'm like, this is amazing. I look over at my wife, I'm like, I don't know what happened. She's like, I was praying. I was like, well, how come you didn't hear my prayers? I prayed earlier this morning and it wasn't working, but you start praying and it starts working. But I'm like, I, I, it's just, I don't say this to be over-spiritual. That's not where I'm going with this. I'm, I'm not trying to make that. But I'm more trying to say that, man, it's in a moment where God feels so far away on a stupid dishwasher that God actually, man, brings this moment where he's like, hey, I care about what's going on in your life. That's what that means, all that to say. That God cares about what's going on in your life. He cares what conversations are ahead of this week. He cares where you're going this week. He cares about all those details. And the greatest thing he says is he's saying, hey, I want to walk with you. And God doesn't want to stay far away. So much so that we see John, and this is the last verse I'm hitting from John 1 today. He's going to say this to us, which is such a, it's it's the greatest news ever. He says, so the word Jesus became human and made his home among us. Like that's the greatest news ever. That's the greatest news ever. That God, the, who, the, who the Jews used to, re, the only way they would relate to God the Father is that they would obey the law. They would basically fulfill a bunch of commands. And by doing those, they would understand and relate to God. And now all of a sudden, what happens, John's telling them, he's saying, hey, you no longer have to relate to God that way because you know what God did? He came in human form. He came in human form. And actually the word made here is the, the original thought behind it is it's to dwell or dwell or pitch a tent. Right? And so it's saying that, man, God came and made his home on earth. He's tabernacling in earth. And what people and what the readers would have looked at said, oh, I remember in the desert when we traveled for 40 years and God dwelled in the tabernacle or that was the only way we could come into contact with him. That was the only way we could relate to him. And he's saying, no, 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 no. Here's good news. You no longer have to relate to God from such a such a defined way, but actually that God has come in human form in a way that we can understand in a way that the Jewish people at the time could understand how the human how a human works right? We know how each other work to some degree. We know how you think, we know how you act, we know how you do this. And Jesus is the revelation of God in human form. It's like, man, that is, that is something. It's like God is no longer so far. He's actually so close. It's like, that is good news. That's awesome. But then to go even further, I love the way Eugene Peterson puts it in this next one. He says, the word became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. Man, that's good. Jesus is moving into the neighborhood, right? I love that. I love that Jesus is moving in next door. And he wants to show you what it's like, who God is like, what God is like, right? Such a powerful, powerful thing to understand that God is no longer far away, but he's actually very close. And beyond that, as I said earlier, is that when Jesus ascends, he says, if, you know, if he says, if you believe, you will receive the Holy Spirit, which will now tabernacle live inside of you. Right? 
So here we have this, this crazy idea of the Trinity before us and understanding that the Holy, that God is no longer, lim, he's not limiting himself by being so far away, but he's actually come to live inside of us when we believe through the holy power of the Holy Spirit. And so now, here's, here's, the, here's even the crazier part, is that God will start moving through you. That's what he wants to do. God wants to start moving through you. When you believe, that's why I say, how far does your belief go? How, where, where does it stop and where does it go? Because God wants to move through you. If you claim to believe, if you really believe, if you're convinced, if you're to the point where you say, I will hop in the wheelbarrow, God. Man, wh- how, far are you, how far does that belief go with you? Because he really wants to move into the neighborhood. He wants to move in through you. My wife and I, we're, as I said, we're in the process of moving into a new home and one of the things is, yeah, we want space. We want to be able to have people over. We want to host. We want a place where our, kid, our future daughter and, God willing, another kid can have friends over. And that this could be a safe place, a refuge, a place of rest, but a place where they could really see Jesus lived out in front of them. But bigger than that, it's like we, when we think about this going into the neighborhood, we're like, we want to be Jesus moving into the neighborhood. We want to be that. Like, we've lived a pretty comfortable life on a little flag lot, kind of hidden in the back. And it's been nice. Don't get me wrong. I like it. But the truth is, is that he's, God's sitting there going, how much do you believe? Are you, are you going to represent me to the world? Are you going to be my image bearer? And I think that's a powerful thing. And I know, I know that we can all sit here and go, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, but what can we do? Like, let's put some handles on this, right? Like, what can we do to say, okay, God wants to use me. God wants to actually be real and tangible in my life. He wants me to hop in that wheelbarrow, and he'll push me. <laughs> and I'd say it's, it's super simple. You got neighbors, and it's, I know COVID's going on, and there's all these things, but my father-in-law has been doing, did some crazy stuff right when it all started. He started giving his neighbors, going around, giving them gifts like cookies, um, and check this one out, and an onion. I don't know what's up with that, but an onion, right? He's going around, he's giving them gifts, and he's doing these things, and he's creating conversation. He's creating the ability to know them, to, to walk across the unknown, to, to see what separates them, a wall, and basically say, hey, I want to know you. I want to understand what's going on in your life. Everyone's out walking, right? It's like everyone's stuck in their house, so everyone's out walking in this season. I've been out walking more times than I can count since March, And it's like, people are out. People are friendly. I've gotten to know my neighbors since I've been out. I've had conversations I never would have had without COVID. I mean, that's just the truth. And I'm going, man, if in this season where it feels like everything's so limited and everything's tough and everything's challenging, I feel it's almost as if God's taking away so many things so that we can actually see what really matters. Maybe the, the next tangible thing for you is just to pick up the phone and call somebody. Text them. I, I know we're all complaining about technology. I'm complaining about technology. But it is the greatest tool to stay connected in a time like this. It really is. You got friends, you got family who are feeling alone. And you can use the gift of technology to say, hey, I'm thinking about you. You're on my mind. You're on my heart. You know, I, I've had so many things in 2020 go on where I've just, I haven't sent that text message or I haven't made that phone call. There's been a lack of intentionality in my own life. And I'm like, man, how do I make that different in 2021? 
And most importantly, man, I say you pray. Because when you start praying, God will start moving. I promise you that. And the reason why I say a lot of us don't pray is because our belief only goes so far. That's what I'm saying. That our belief only goes so far for wanting to reach our neighbor, to reach our coworkers, to reach people in our school, to do that. Because the truth is, is that we, we're like, I love Jesus and I believe, but I don't want to be put out. And what John's going to say is he's saying, no, no, no. Jesus is the greatest thing ever. And he promises the greatest life ever. Yes, there will be suffering. Yes, there will be hard times. Yes, there will be this. But you will experience life in his name, eternal life. That's, that's powerful. That's a powerful place to be. And he wants to move through us. It's kind of my last thoughts here is, I just want to say this, that before Jesus moves into your neighborhood, he, he wants to move into you. He wants to move into your heart. That's really what he wants to do. He wants to move into your heart. And he doesn't force his way in. He doesn't pry open your heart and say, no, make room for me. He's not trying to be very attacking and come at it. No, no, no. He's going to reveal himself. And then he's going to give you the choice. Saying, do you believe? Or do you not believe? Because love is a choice. God does not force us to love him. That's not love. He gives us the choice to love him. And he's going to say, hey, I'm going to reveal myself to you. I'm going to show you who I am. And some of us have been moving so fast and so quick that we've probably not been able to see where God is at work or where God is revealing himself to us in our life. And if there's anything going that's been more chaotic than 2020, I don't know. But it, is, it has probably taken our eyes off the very one who made us and created us in ways that we weren't anticipating. And then once God moves into your heart, once he moves into this place of a great belief, he does. He wants to move into the neighborhood. He wants to move into your schools. He wants to move into your family. He wants to move into places that you didn't know that he wanted to go. That's what he wants to do. That's what he wants to do in your life. And I know, I know we're all excited the years turned over and all these things, but I would challenge you and I would urge you to say, man, what's the step God wants me to take with him today? Like, I, want to, I don't want to even say this year. I want to say today because I believe that he invites you to experience life in his name today. Not tomorrow, not, okay, once I get through the busy part of this month and then I'll, and then I'll get there in, and in February, I'll start. God is not a New Year's resolution. God is not a goal. God is not a wish or a hope or anything. He's saying, no, no, believe me. Put your trust in me. Hop in the wheelbarrow and watch what I'll do. And the only way you're going to continue to build that trust and to go deeper in your faith and your walk with God is by trusting, by doing it, by hopping in. And so I don't know where that's at in your life. I don't know if that's in forgiveness. I don't know if that's in relationships. I don't know if that's, man, in a place when it comes to your finances. I, I have no idea, but you do. And God wants to show up there. God wants to show up there in such a powerful way. And so one of the ways that I want to close this out today is I want us to take communion. Because when we take communion, it's really coming to this place of going, I believe. I believe. And so wherever you're at, um, you could be online.
This is your chance to go get your orange juice, your crackers if you're at home. But here in the room, we have uh, prepackaged cups. And I just want to invite you into this moment of being able to take communion. Um, because this is really, we see this, this cracker and this represents the body of Jesus. Like it, it represents that physical body that we're talking about, right? And then we have the juice and it represents his blood. And, and I've got this up here as well. Um, you guys can take off your mask and do it. Um, it's okay. It's, it's a safe place to do it. Um, but I just, I want to I come to this moment where we look at this. We'll just take it together here. And, uh, you know, Jesus sits there the last night with his disciples. And he, he says these words to them. He says, this is my body, which is broken for you. This is it. And when we take this, we're, we're remembering that, that God didn't stay far away, but that he actually came near in the form of Jesus, his son, an eternal being, fully God, fully human. And then he died for us. And so we take this, and I'm going to ask you to take it right now with me, wherever you're at, and remember that it was this body that was broken for you so that you could experience life. And then he gets to the cup and he says, this is my blood, which represents my new covenant with you. My new covenant. And he asked them to take it and drink it. And when we do this, what we're saying is we wanna remember what it cost to win us back from darkness. That God would go to the extent of sacrificing his own son so that we could live. I know the world's falling apart. Everything's falling apart, but he wants us to live and come alive in this time and to really be the church and to follow him. And I know there's so much hurt and so much pain and there's days where it's like you get out of bed, it's like, I, I don't even wanna believe anymore, God. I'm struggling to believe that you're good and to believe that you're in control. And, and we take this and when we do this, this is the ultimate form of belief and saying, it costs something. It costs something for my life. It costs something so that I could experience and walk with Jesus every day. And so I'm just going to invite you wherever you're at, wherever you're doing, you can stand up on your feet and we're just going to worship. We're going to come to this point of surrender in this moment. I'm going to pray for us. But wherever you're at, just, just stand up. Stand up. Maybe it's not your thing. Um, if you're at home, I'll let you sit on the couch. But I would encourage you to stand up. And I just, I just want you to do whatever it is that you need to come to this place to surrender and think about the step that God wants you to take, the honesty he wants to do through you this year, the, whatever that moment is. So God man, we come to you, we're surrendered and we know this is a, we know Lord that our belief is gonna be challenged in the weeks ahead. And we know Lord that, man, we have, uh, our belief only goes so far. That's why John writes this gospel because he wants to take it to an even deeper level. And for those of us who don't believe, who are wrestling with that God, Man, he wants to bring us to a place where we believe that Jesus is the son of God. 
And so God, whatever you need to do in our belief in 2021, I pray you would do it. I pray you would start today. I pray you would do it right here in this moment. And you would take us to a place of greater belief, of being absolutely convinced that Jesus is better than anything, anything that this world has to offer, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.